0: On the pasuk, reishis so truma tarimu The Torah tells us that from the beginning of our dough, we should take a chala, we should give it as a truma, similar to the truma that's taken from the threshing floor. That means regular truma that's taken from produce. In a similar way, you should take this part of your dough. Rashi explains why does the Torah say kisrumas goyren, like from the threshing floor that just like the truma of regular produce, that does not have a specific shear, a specific measurement, in a similar way is this truma, Not like Truma Smiser, that is, when the levy needs to take off from that which he was given, and needs to give to the koyin, where that one does have a specific measurement, this one from challah does not have a measurement. However, the chachamim did give a shear, for a bala bayis, for a regular person, that's baking his bread, needs to take off 1 out of 24. Ola well, nachtoim and a baker needs to take off 1 out of 48. So the Rebbe says we need to understand a number of things. Number one, Rashi quotes from the Medrashim and Maimari Chazal in Halacha only when it's somehow relevant and necessary in Pshutish Mikra. As Rashi himself tells us the rule, I'm only for, here for Pshutish Mikra. So the fact that Rashi is telling us that there is no shear, and it's not like trumas Miser, that does have a measure that we understand, because Rashi is coming to explain to us what the Pasig is saying. When the Pasig is emphasizing that keserumas goyren, why is the Torah coming to emphasize that it's like a truma, the truma of the threshing floor, the truma of regular produce, a regular truma? So in other words, that it's specifically this type, and not a different type of truma, which is truma smicer. So we understand what Rashi is telling us, that the Torah is not coming, it's coming to tell us that there is no specific measure. But why is it relevant for the Pirush of our Pasuk, the continuation that the Chachamim gave a shear and all the rest of that? Furthermore, says the Rebbe, even if we want to say that if Rashi would just bring that there is no shear. He doesn't want to stop just by saying that. And he wants to make sure we understand that that's only the Torah is not giving a share But the Chachamim did give a specific share. So while it's still not understood, why would Rashi need to explain the exact measure that the Chachamim give? This is seemingly completely irrelevant to the pshat, to the simple meaning of our Sukim. And Rashi is not a Safer of Allah. because He's only coming to explain to us pshutish mikra Point number three says the Rebbe, even if we want to say, B'daychik, that Rashi wants that we should have some sort of idea of what the Shir Chalo is, then seemingly it would still be enough if Rashi says that a is a regular, ordinary person, gives one out of 24. This is going to be the Shir that's relevant and that's Shaykh for most people. As in fact we find in Targum Yoynesin, who generally Targum Yoynesin is further from Shruti Mikra than Rashi, And yet Hargum Yoynusun, when he speaks about it, only mentions the shear of 1 out of 24. Why does Rashi also have to add that the shear for a baker is 1 out of 48? Furthermore, says the Rebbe, seemingly this continuation that Rashi says that Chachamim gave a shear is seemingly in contradiction to the beginning of the Rashi. Rashi is telling us that the Torah is specifically telling us Ketrumas Goyren in order to emphasize that there is no shear, not like Trumas Meiser, that has a measure, that means not only is the Torah not giving us a shear by challah, but the Torah is specifically comparing and saying that ketruma is going just like the truma of the threshing floor. came to he said, this is the way you should give this truma. That means you should not be giving with a specific measure. How does that fit with in, in micro sense with what Rashi is saying, but the Chachamim come along and they do give a shear. And this leads us now to the next next question. Even if Rashi wants for whatever reason to tell us that the Chachamim gave a shear, And also the details, the differences and so on. And, and all the details that we say. But seemingly, this would have been appropriate to say this in the next Pesach. Where the Pesach says, Titnu la Hashem truma. Rashi says over there, that because the Torah didn't give us a shear for challah, the Pesach is over here saying, Titnu. That you should give Tashem a truma, which means Titnu implies that there should be a significant amount that could be considered giving. So there seemingly would have fit what Rashi is saying, that the Chachamim actually gave us a shir, for a is a certain amount, and for a baker another amount, etc. In fact, in the Sifri, that's actually where the Sifri says it, it's on the pasuk of Titnu Lasham Trumah that it should have enough that you could be considered a gift to the koyin. And from here, says the Safri, we have the special shear for challah, for a balabayas. it's one amount, etc. The Rebbe says we could also ask the other, uh, the question another way around. And that is, or on the other side, that is since Rashi is already giving us the she'urim, that the Chachamim telling us about Proteus, with all of the details, both for the regular, ordinary person and for the baker, 1 out of 24, 1 out of 48, why doesn't Rashi give us the reason of why there is this difference between a balabais and a baker, as the Safri goes on and gives a reason? Which all tells us that once Rashi gives us these measures, we would understand by ourselves why there would be that difference. Says so the Rebbe, the explanation is very simple. From the fact that the Possek says, K'Serumaz came to rimu which, as we said, Rashi tells us that Shalloim Namur Bashir, which implies that there is no shear, that seems to imply that even the tiniest amount would have been enough. But there's a problem with that. In the simple reading of the Pasik, the Posik says, Raishis Ari Say from the beginning of your dough, what should you do? Khalo You should give a khalo. What does a khala mean? So Rashi explains you should take one khala as a truma for Hashem. And Rashi explains what the word chala means. Rashi gives us an old French word, which is turtle. What does turtle mean? So turtle is a cake or a roll, a loaf. So, according to this, the question is: How could you say that a frasha chala is like a truma's garden just like the truma of the produce, which has absolutely no shear? If the pasuk itself does tell us that you should be giving a chala, and a chala has a meaning, a chala is this cake, this baked loaf. Or a loaf. It has a shear. And this is why Rashi adds in his explanation, and he says that even though the Torah doesn't give us a specific amount, but since the Torah does call it a chala, which is a turtle, which again means some sort of loaf, so therefore the Chachamim came along, and they explained, and they gave a shear of what needs to be given. That means that even though the word chala over here just means plain, just a, a, a loaf, However, but because the word chala does show on a certain type of shivos that needs to be given in the in the in the thing that you're giving, clearly you can't just give crumbs or something like that. That's why the chachamim came along and they did give a specific shear, also in the in the amount and the quantity of how much the chala should be. But Rashi can't stop there because just to say that the chachamim gave a shear won't be enough, because if a chala this loaf doesn't have on its own a specific shear. There are clearly different size chalas, there are different size loaves. So one would have thought that the chiddush that the chachamim are giving a shear for the khala is actually coming and telling us what size that chalas always needs to be. In other words, regardless of the size of your dough, the chalas always needs to be a specific amount. That the chachamim came along and said, this is the shear of a chalas. As we find by the challah that's brought with other carbonis, where there is a very specific amount that needs to be brought. And this is why Rashi says that, no, that's not the pshat over here. The chachamim gave a shear in, in relation to the dough. In other words, for a balabais, it's going to be 1 out of 24, and for the baker, it's going to be 1 out of 48. And since the chachamim are giving the shear, again, not just as a thing for itself, you need to give this particular size, but it's coming as a result of the fact that the Pasek called it by the name of challah, So now we can understand, obviously, why Rashi doesn't need to explain the difference between the shiurim of the balabais and the baker, because that will now be understood simply in Pshut, according to Peshut That is. So, uh, just a little introduction before we do the next piece. Again, just going back for a minute. What the Rebbe just said is, that the Chachamim are learning, because the Torah is calling it challah. So he's going we're going to be giving a loaf. So now let's look at different size loaves. A balabayas. That's not a. that's not a baker, not a businessman. What is he baking his khalas for? He's relatively he's baking khalas for his family, for himself and his family. So relatively these khalas are going to be bigger khalas. And therefore, if we say he's giving a chal to the koyen, so it's going to be a bigger chala. And that's why it's going to be one out of twenty-four. On the other hand, a baker that bakes all sorts of halos for his different customers. So he's going to have poor people, he's going to have rich people and so on. So therefore amongst his halus, he's also going to have small halos. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, the amount that he is going to get, the profit that he's going to get, it, which is going to remain after all of his... Um, all of his expenses for the flour, for the for the for the wood, etc., etc. So he also doesn't even have that much profit after all of that, and therefore he's giving a challah. Now he's going to end up giving or needs to give a smaller challah, one out of forty eight. Says so that Rebbe said, now we can understand simply also why Rashi is bringing these two shiurim, for the balabais and for the baker, because just like the general idea that the chachamim gave a measure is all based on the fact that the is said to give a challah. The turtle, the, the loaf, that's what you should give. So, so too, the word chalo itself is the reason, is the cause to differentiate between the different shiurim, between the baker and the balabais. Because again, they have different size chalois. The balabayas again having naturally bigger chalois, and the baker often having the smaller chalois as well. So the word chalo is telling us that it's going to be these different shiurim. The Rebbe says another reason why Rashi wants to bring both of these shiurim. And the Rebbe says like this, Rashi had told us earlier already that the amount of dough that would need challah to take care off from it is the shear of the, like like by the month. There was an omer legal an omer per person. How big is this omer that challah would need to be taken off it? The shear is Rashi says forty three and a fifth eggs. That's the size. So now, if Rashi would only say the first shear, the shear of the Balabai is 1 out of 24. So again, let's look at the number. If we said that you're giving 1 out of 24 and the shears to start with, you have something of the size of 43 eggs. So 1 out of 24 is definitely much bigger than the size of one egg, the shear of a kabaya. So in other words, if we're coming along and saying now that the Chachamim gave the shear to be made is much more than a kabaya. This would be in contradiction to many other dinim that we learned already earlier where usually food is, the size is usually a kabaya. Or the biggest is a kabaya usually. And that's why Rashi says, no, we're not speaking about a bigger share of here. A baker only gives one out of 48. That means it could actually be smaller than the share of a kabaya. The Rebbe now moves on and says from the wondrous things that we could take out of this Rashi is something of that's a shaklavataria discussion by the Mepharshim that seem to find a contradiction within Rashi itself. In our Pasek where Rashi is saying, there's no shear said, but the Chachamim gave a measure. Again, the Balabayis gives 1 out of 24, the Baker gives 1 out of 48. But it sounds like Minatoira, there's no measure at all. In the Pasek Titnu Hashem that we quoted before, Rashi says that there needs to be a certain amount that can be considered giving. So Chalot does have a shear Minatoira, seemingly. So the Rebbe is going to quote now various different mafarshim, and then go back and say, but the way we explained the Rashi, there's no problem at all. So the Rebbe starts off with clo- quoting the Mizrahi, Rebbe, Lio Mizrahi, who answers that when Rashi says, Titnu Lashem, that it has to have a certain amount, a certain amount that can be considered giving, doesn't mean that Rashi, there's any shear. This is what we call an Asmachta. In other words, Chachamim gave a shear, but they're sort of using it as a support. This Posek and the Torah, but it's not an absolute Chiyuv to give any amount. The Gurariyeh says that Keday this Darashi says that you need to give a significant amount, doesn't mean that it's a Chiyuv It means Limitzvah. It's better to give an amount. That's the Torah, even the Torah is saying it's better to give a certain amount. But definitely it's considered khala even if you gave much less than that. So those are two ways of looking at it. Now that Rebbe looks at the Noida Bihuda, who explains at length that there's two aspects in challah. There's one aspect that when you're giving the challah, you're now removing the prohibition of tevel. Before challah is taken, this dough you're not allowed to eat, it, eat from. It. It's called tevel. So now when you took off some of the dough, it's considered no longer tevel. Then there's the other point, which is the main mitzvah, actually giving it to the koyen. So he differentiates and he says, this is the point of these two aspects of Rashi. In order to remove the prohibition of tevel from the dough, there's actually no shear minatoira, and even the tiniest little amount would now cause that the dough is permissible. But if you want to fulfill the idea that the Torah says give it to the koyin, then minatoira, there is a, there, there, is, there, there does need to be a shear. There is a certain amount that's considered a significant amount. And that would be, again, the amount of the original dough, the minimum would be, that's chayef, is an isarain. So one out of 24, or 1 out of 48, would be considered somewhat of a significant amount. Because of this, that the Torah says there needs to be a significant amount, and that is 1 out of 24 or 48, so the Chachamim came along and said that regardless of the size, in other words, even if it's a bigger dough, you should still stick with those proportions. You don't just stick with 1 out of 24. Always, but rather, if it's going to be a bigger dough, you're going to give more. And it's going to be 1 out of 24 for the Balabayis, 1 out of 48 for the baker, but that's going to be in any size dough. And therefore, according to the Noidubihudah, we have the two psukim. The pasik goirin which is our first pasik, where it's only speaking about that you need to take off khala. In other words, to make the, the dough allowed to be eaten, Rashi says that there's no shear given at all. you there is no shear. It's only the Chachamim said that, a, that, 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 uh, that there's a shear according to the size of the dough. But in the pasik where it speaks about, it's about giving. The emphasis is about giving to the kayin. That's where Rashi says. Since we don't know yet of a shear, so the Torah is over here saying titnu that it has to be a significant amount that it can be considered giving. And if you want to fulfill this aspect of the mitzvah, to give to the kayin, there is a specific amount that you need to give to the Torah. Again, 1 out of 24 or 48 of that is sorry. But based on the way, the way we explained Rashi, there's actually no problem, says the Rebbe. What do we understand the way Rashi learns? According to our explanation, the way it's understood is simply. That even the idea of what the Torah wants you to give off the dough, again, to make the dough permissible, there is an amount. There is a certain chshivas that needs to be. In that first passage, it does say what it needs to be. It needs to be a challah, which we said means a turtle, which we said means a cake or a loaf. In other words, even this first passage is telling you that you can't just have crumbs. Point number two says that when the Chachamim come along and said that there's a sheer, It's not because of that second pasach that there needs to be a certain nesina, a certain amount. But rather, that itself, as we explained, is connected to the fact that the Torah said that it needs to be a challah, which was said about what you need to take off the dough. Even before giving it to the kohen. it already needs to have a certain amount. And why would Rasha be learning that? Why would Rasha be learning that even in the first pasach, we're already saying that it's not about just what you're giving to the kohen, but in order, even what you need to take off the dough has to have a certain amount. Says the Rebbe very simply, in Pshutish Shul Mikro, it seems to be that not only the later words in the next postak like, Tarimu Truma Hashem," is that not but also the words in Titnu Hashem Trum, in other words, both of these Psukim are both speaking about not about giving to the Koyin, but actually about giving it to Hashem, removing it from the Donau, It's going to be something given to Hashem. It's totally not about giving it to the Koyan. Because really, the main things about giving to the Kohen is going to be in a later Pasha that's going to be in Pasha's Koyrach. So what does the Pasha say? It says, Trumah. We were saying before from the Noyi De Mihudah that that's referring to not yet giving it to the Kohen. It's about removing it from the, it's, it's about removing it from the dough. And the next Pasha is going to be about giving it to the Kohen. But really, the Rebbe says, also the Pasha, when the Pasha says clearly Hashem Trumah, it's give, being given, it's, it's being taken off for Hashem. That's what the point of it. It's not about giving to the Kohen. It's about just as being donated to Hashem. And then when the Pasek says again, the word Titnu, even though it's the same idea as remove, it's only to give us about the Sheer and the synod, that it has to be a certain amount, as Rashi explains. But it's not a bad that one Pasek is speaking about what you need to remove, and the other Pasek is speaking about what you're going to give to the kohen. So again, in summary, this last point, what the Rebbe is saying is according to Rashi, right from the beginning, we're already saying that there needs to be a certain share. It's called a Chala. And there has to be a certain amount. And the Chachamim specified exactly what that amount is going to be. The Rebbe now moves on to Yeinah Shol Torah. It says in the Medrash, why is the Parsha of Chala in the Torah right next to the Parsha that discusses Avodah It's the teacher that anyone that up, that up up that keeps up the Mitzvah of Chala, someone that's Makayim, the Mitzvah of Chala, is Kiilu Batla Avodah it's as if he nullified Avodah Anyone that nullifies Mitzvah of Chala, it's as if he's he's, he's being Makayim Avodah and the Rebbe says seemingly it's totally not understood. What's the connection between the mitzvah of chala, which is seemingly connected with a simple act that a yid is doing with a dough, with nullifying, avoid and something that's such a major, you saw in and you saw a Kula. What's the, how does this go, these two go together? Furthermore, the Rebbe says it's not understood. What's this expression call a mitzvah's chala? If he upholds the mitzvah of chala, it's as if, he cancels Avedezara. If he cancels, if he if he, if he nullifies the mitzvah of Hala, it's as if he's upholding Avedezara. It makes it sound like we're speaking about an Avedezara that exists already. And if you're going to fulfill the mitzvah of Hala, you are now nullifying that Avedezara. Or on the other hand, if you're being mavatal, the mitzvah of Chala, it's as if you're giving a kiyum. You are allowing the zarah to keep on existing. Seemingly, says the Rebbe, even if these two things are connected between each other, but it could have said, <speaking in the Bible> if you fulfill Mitzvah of chale, it's as if you're denying Avodah Zoro. If you're Mivahat Mitzvah of chale, it's as if you are um, accepting Avodah Zoro, worshipping Avodah Zoro, or the like. So the Rebbe explains. One of the connections between the Mitzvah of Chala, one, one of the explanations, Bechalah, about the Mitzvah of Chala, of Reishas, as you say, the give from the beginning of dough giving, giving it as a Truma to Hashem, What's the idea of this mitzvah? Is that since a, a person's parnasa, in order to have his parnasa, in order to have all of his needs, which generally could be included in the general concept of a isa, of a dough, because lechem, bread, food, this is the main thing of a person's parnasa. So in order for a person to get his dough or to get his, any any of his, his parnasa, there is work involved. Charisha, plowing, sowing, reaping, quotes the Mishnah that speaks about the 39 Malachas of Shabbos that says, it's going in the order of how bread is baked. In other words, there's things that are necessary alpiteva, and this is something that's the same by a Yid, as well as by an non So a person can make a mistake and think, number one, that Chas is not connected to Hashem, and that he's getting this parnosah through doing the things by the way of nature. Or, even if he understands that Hashem is the one, that is the one that set up nature. But a person might think, and in other words, Hashem is the one that set up, that if you're going to plow and you're going to sow, these are going to, th- th- these are going to be the things that are going to happen. You're going to get your needs. But a person might still think, fine, that was the first time Hashem set it up that way. But afterwards, it's no longer directly connected to Hashem. So here comes the of the mitzvah of challah. Where Yid is being told, reish is from the beginning of your dough, you're giving this donation to Hashem. That means even before you have your own personal pleasure from this dough, you're recognizing and you're doing an action about it. That the Rashi is the very beginning of it, the whole start of this dough, which actually includes, really, he's understanding the whole start of all of his uh, things that he's provided with, is all true Mal Hashem. In other words, he's recognizing that it's not coming because of his own work, it's not coming because of nature. But rather, Hashem is the one that's giving you the power to be successful. It's Hashem's brachas, the one that makes you rich. Furthermore, since (laughs) HaMachad Hashem is constantly creating the world every second, may I in liyash, from nothing into something. So in other words, not only is the brach of Hashem clothing itself in Teva, and into your actions, but really the very idea of nature itself and all of your activities are not something of a metzis, of an entity on its own, their whole metzius is only coming because Hashem is renewing it every single moment and giving it life. And therefore, when when you go ahead and you give this, not as a sense of tzedakah, especially that again, as we said before, we're not even speaking over here about giving it to the coin. The point is, you're giving it away to the Abishter. What are we acknowledging? Because we're recognizing that really it all belongs to Hashem. Says the Reb. We know that the general idea of Avoy Dezorah, even Al-Pinigla, is not only when one serves Avoy Dezorah, Mamish Chaz accepting it Chaz as, as, as a godly thing. But even if he gives some sort of credit, some sort of importance to the Keikhovim, to the Mazolis, to the planets, to the stars, including also to the, to powers of nature itself, as if they have some power, some rulership, so even if he knows that the Eibishter is the one that created them and gave them the Koyach, that's also a form of Avodah Zarah. Because the truth is that all the powers of nature and the sun, the planets, the stars, and so on and so forth are all Kigars and B'yad like an axe in the hand of the woodchopper. Which, in other words, doesn't have any sort of power on its own. Not even choice to be able to change the Hashpah. All these things are, are only like garments through which Hashem is giving the Hashpah. The Rebbe says, in even a more subtle way, what might be considered Avodah Zorah, is not only when you're considering that these koichas have any sort of power, but even if you're considering that they they even exist outside of Hashem. In other words, even to say there's any sort of metzius outside of Elikus, because the truth is, there is nothing besides Hashem. There is no metzius, there's absolutely nothing outside of Hashem. So the Rebbe says like this, when we look at the world and Teva, so on its own this is not noticeable. The world and nature see as if, seem as if they are some sort of independent existence. Furthermore, it's not even noticeable and you need to have his bohenus that the Avishter is even the boss of this beautiful palace. In other words, that the Avishter is running the one running the world and everything on it. And therefore when a yid comes along and fulfills the mitzvah of challah, He's recognizing, he's revealing he's, he, to the world that the do, the parnoso, that he is receiving through seemingly his own actions, through derukhatava, but he's acknowledging that it's really coming completely from Hashem. With this, he's being mavatal the Avoidazara. That I've asked before, which Avay we're talking about that he's being mavatal. In other words, he's being mavatal that which seems and is seen in the world as if the world is a Metsius for itself and has some sort of power on its own. He is nullifying that. On the other hand, if he's mevatel the mitzvah of chala, in other words, if he's not appreciating and recognizing that his whole parnassah and all of his needs he's getting directly from Hashem, it's as if he's upholding avodah He's in this sense giving some sort of credit to those powers of nature as if they are some sort of mitzias of, of themselves. Since he's the way he's looking at it is as if these hashpa are is coming from these from these things of nature. Furthermore, the Rebbe says. Even if a person was mavatal the mitzvah of chala That means he forgot to take off khala. Even in that case, he's in some way upholding avodah zorah. Because when can you forget about something? That's only shayich, something that's not visible, something that's not open in front of your eyes. Something that you see in front of you, obviously you're not going to forget about. So if a person can forget to give khala, that means he's not realizing, recognizing, seeing in everything that it's coming from the eibishter. In that way itself is Chazr giving some Mitzvah de Zorah, that de that's seen in the world on its own. It says the Rebbe based on all of this will not be very, very geschmack, the different Shiurim by the Mitzvah of Challah. Just like Avey de Zorah is osser, the prohibition is even on the tiniest little amount, so too in giving of Challah on its own there is no shear. Even the tiniest amount in quantity would be enough. But on the other hand, just like Avey de Zorah, so, um, and so just like the way Avodah Zorah started, and also afterwards, Avodah Zorah is about people worshipping the sun and the moon or different statues. But there's some, there, there's something that they're worshipping. Or the Rebbe says, at the very, at one level, there's Allah speaking about if a person sets up a brick and bows down to it. In other words, there's certain, something that does have a certain shear to a certain extent. So in a similar way, by Mitzvah of Chalot, Chachamim did give a sheer. Also the quantity of it. What does this mean? So the Rebbe explains like this. As far as the Etzem anashama is concerned, that idea of the Amuna, the Isir of Avey is absolute even in the tiniest little amount. In other words, that as from the Amuna perspective, there's not a lot of be, of course, there is no room for anything, anything, anything outside of Hashem. Not even in the most subtle way. And just like in the Isr of Avey you can't have even the tiniest, tiniest idea of anything outside of Hashem, so too. In the positive side, in the mitzvah of Challah, that Nakuda of Amuna, that Nakuda that's arousing us. To recognize that the Amish does the only Matthias, there is no shear in the amount. However, what is it? We call it a chalah. In other words, we said a Chala does mean that quality, it does have a certain shear. In other words, there is something over here. Because that nekudah of the Amunah mitzah, the ha-nefesh, in its quality, there's absolutely no limitations at all. The power of that ha-nefesh. Come along the chachamim, and they do give a shear. In other words, when we want to speak about the, the that Mun of the Ezra Manefesh coming down into Chachma, into Seichel, Chachomim, into Chachma. So it, there is a Shir. What does that mean? Because just like with the zara, there may be different measures to what extent a person is making a mistake, acknowledging the world and taking it as a Mitzvah, which is Avoid Zorah. In a similar way, the Mitzvah of Challah, which is coming to cancel out and to negate the Avoidu Zorah, also, in the seichel of the person, there is also going to be a certain amount, a certain sheer to cancel out that avoy de Zor. What does that mean? And the Rebbe is going to explain now the differences between the balabayis and the nachtling, as we'll see in a moment. But the Rebbe says, since in the idea of avoy de Zor, which Chala is coming to negate, we said doesn't only mean avoy de Zor, in the literal way chas but also the fact that in a subtle way you could give some sort of credit to the darkei ha'teva that because you're so used to them, you might think that they are the cause for your parnasa. This is why there's now going to be the difference between the baker and the balabais. The Rebbe explained, it says in Chassidus, that generally a esek, a businessman, sees Ashgacha protest much more than the Yoshev oil, the person that's sitting and learning and davening all day. The esek, the businessman, has to do various different activities, different things to be able to earn his money from the business. He has to go and buy merchandise. He has to sell and so on. And all of this, there's going to be all the different conditions of the time and place and prices going up, prices going down. And in all of this, the Baal sees very, very clearly how the to the one that causes all things to happen, is the one that's turning things and making and bringing them in. that atzlach in his business. So therefore, that Baal is the one that sees Ashgacha protest much more often in a much more open way than the Yeishav oil, the person that's sitting and learning, which is Parnassus, is going to be usually a certain set amount that's coming to him ready made, and so on. He's not so involved in the world and seeing the Ashgacha protest and all these other things. Says the Rebbe, the same thing in our Rashi, the difference between the Balabayis and the Nachtayim, the Balabayis, or as the Rebbe says over here, the Balaboster. Usually it's the woman that's going to be the one baking and doing the mitzvah of challah. She's the, the main mitzvah. This is one of her mitzvahs that she's given. So she's baking bread for her own house. Generally she's not so well aware and acquainted with everything that's going on, the background, what's happening before. Where did it come from? Where did the money come from to earn this, this dough? And to go and buy the flour and the wood and so on and so forth. She's getting everything ready and prepared. And therefore, she doesn't feel, at least to the same extent, how this is so much all connected with the Hashgacha of the Amishter. And therefore, she's going to need a bigger shear, one out of 24, to make sure not to forget that everything comes from the Amishter. On the other hand, the baker, who's usually the man, which is the Baal Eisig, the businessman, like we said before, he's doing it for it. He's doing it for his parnasa in a way that it is very much connected with buying and selling and all the other conditions of business, as we said before. And therefore, he is going to be much more involved in, in, in the world and seeing the Gacha protest and everything. That the Amish is the one sending this Parnassah. And therefore, for him, a smaller amount, one out of 48 will be enough to make sure that he doesn't make the mistake, which could, that could happen thinking, you know, that, uh, that nature, Chas Vasholom, has any sort of power on its own. The Rebbe concludes with a bracha, that through the mitzvah of Chalur, Zoich, as it says, bracha to bring brachas into our houses. Because we bring the Abishta's brach into all the matters of the house, that it's noticeable in all the matters of the house, how it's all being conducted and run the way the Abishta wants. And then we also have the brach in the literal sense, in all matters of the house, of Bani, Chai, children, health, and Parnassah, all in the best possible way.